Interested in taking a deep dive each week into a compliance or compliance-related topic? Then Compliance Into the Weeds is the podcast for you. Join Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance, and Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, as they go into the weeds to flesh out a story which you can use to better inform your compliance program. Both you and your compliance program will be the better for listening to this podcast. Compliance Into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network. Today, cruise lines and compliance. Hello, everyone. Tom Fox, the voice of compliance, back again with Matt Kelly, the coolest guy in compliance for another episode. Today, we're going to take up America's favorite whipping post companies, at least in my opinion, the cruise industry. As Matt has uh, written a blog post entitled Cruise Lines Face COVID-19 Compliance Squeeze. So, Matt, can we get a check in on the uh, the Kelly family? And I think we're day 71 of the uh, isolation. Uh, we uh, here are on day 51 of our isolation, um, but everything is going well enough here in Boston. Everybody is still healthy. Everybody is still working their way through day by day like everyone else, and uh, that's all. So, Matt, if I could uh, maybe uh, just uh, set a little bit of the session to uh, explain it a l- more for us. The uh, cruise line, the Street's Royal mm-hmm. Caribbean, Carnival Cruises, and Norwegian Cruise Line have approximately 100,000 employees stranded on ships in U.S. waters. And uh, they want to allow these employees to disembark and be with their families. They can get off their ships. Uh, what is that situation and how, if at all, will it be remedied? Uh, that is a good question. This is a very difficult situation for the cruise lines. Um, they have already the three cruise lines, which are the major cruise lines in the world. Uh, they have already removed almost all of their passengers. There may be some passengers, but as we said now, really, there's still this large contingent of employees trapped on uh, cruise line ships that are floating around in U.S. waters. And uh, the U.S. government is rather hesitant and reluctant to let these people back onto the mainland. Uh, so the CDC has come up with a plan to allow the employees to disembark. Uh, this is an onerous plan, to make no mistake about it. So no employees taking tran- public transportation home, no employees staying at any hotels, no employees mixing with the general public uh, while they are going from the ship all the way back to their house. So basically, for, if the cruise lines want to get their employees off the boats, they have to guarantee end-to-end private transportation for all employees. Um Number one, that is rather expensive, and the cruise lines were a little bit, I think, uh, hesitant to swallow that cost. But number two, the real kicker was that each cruise line's CEO, chief medical officer, and chief compliance officer had to personally attest that all the employees would meet these terms – uh, or risk civil and criminal prosecution and monetary penalties and imprisonment and all that fun stuff if the cruise lines got this wrong. So that's what had been going on. We're going to talk about this uh, next case and hopefully another podcast, but this comes on the heels, Matt, of the indictment of the former uh, CEO at Bluebell Ice Cream. And I raised that because 
he made uh, or at his direction false statements were made or it's alleged that false statements were made to not only the general public but to the Food and Drug Administration. Um, it forms part of the basis for a criminal complaint against him. So when you certify to the government, uh, that's a real thing. That that puts you under potential civil and criminal liabilities. And how how hot is this water really? The three cruise lines, as of late last week, were all basically saying, we're not going to do that. We are not okay with the liability clause. Finally, over the weekend, Royal Caribbean International did get over itself and say, okay, we're going to accept those terms, and we're going to attest, and then we're going to get our employees home. Um, so there was a uh, passage from CEO Michael Bailey. So he's the CEO of Royal Caribbean International. He had emailed all employees Sunday afternoon and the Miami Herald obtained a copy of that. Um, he said that basically, quote, we are happy to do all the things they requested, but criminal penalties gave us and our lawyers pause. Well, Okay, but anyways, he did then go on to say that he hopes the feds will drop that threat of prosecution. But, and again, quote, we have decided that the importance of getting you home is so great that we will sign these documents as they are written today to help you get off the ships. Close quote. So that's Royal Caribbean. That's one of the three. As of right now, Tom, when you and I are recording on Monday afternoon on May 4th, um, to the best of my knowledge, Carnival Cruises and Norwegian cruise lines have not yet gotten on board with the CDC deal. I can somewhat feel their pain because this is not a pleasant experience. This deal is onerous. On the other hand, if we want to get into the lengthy a number of mistakes and missteps these cruise lines have made this year with COVID-19, we could certainly do that. Um, it is somewhat hard to be sympathetic to these cruise lines when they have already very clearly ignored some of the COVID-19 risks while they were sailing people and employees and customers around the world. But here we are. Royal Caribbean has broken the dam. Maybe uh, Carnival Cruises and Norwegian Cruise will follow suit. We don't know. So, Matt, can we maybe break this down from either a broader compliance perspective, a risk management perspective, or perhaps even a controls perspective? Because uh Starting with really your last uh, several thoughts, that um, the cruise lines had uh, some significant issues around COVID-19, how they responded to communications with the general public. And I think the COVID-19 health crisis for me has really driven home the message of what is risk and what is the management of that risk? And did we, I don't think we had a failure of imagination here, but you have to understand what yours are because if you get it wrong, you can find yourself in situations where to remediate, literally the CEO has to personally attest to mediation that the government's demanding. Well, you know, maybe if we walk through some of the timeline of the blunders that the cruise lines have made, that would clarify things. Um, So let me make sure that I have my math correct here. Um, In by early February, uh, the one of the Carnival cruise ship, Carnival, not Royal Caribbean, but by early February, Carnival had a ship docked off the coast of Japan with a COVID nineteen outbreak, and Japanese regulators were saying you cannot come ashore because you guys are infected with COVID and we don't want you. So that was in early May. Um, by 
March 4th, a full month later, that was the first day that a passenger on one of these cruise ships had died of COVID-19 while on a cruise that was stopping in the U.S. So clearly the U.S. did have direct exposure to COVID-19 by March 4th. And you know, the, the cruise lines knew that people were dying of this disease on our boats. And yet still, uh, at least 100 cruise ships had sailed, set sail after March 4th. Um, when we already had the um, interdiction in Japan, when we already had the death on March 4th in U.S. waters, and we still had 100 cruise ships floating around that had embarked on their voyage on the high seas after all of that. Um, by March 15th, I think it was, just about all the cruise lines realized this is not feasible. They had grounded all of their ships. Um, there are no passenger cruises in effect right now. And um, but, you know, very clearly, they knew that they had a threat. They had a risk here. Um, they weren't taking proper precautions, I think, in most people's eyes to try and deal with this. And they didn't have any sort of solution around how would we handle a disease outbreak on our ships. Um, and, you know, for many companies out there, I might give you a little bit of wiggle room because dealing with infectious disease on your in your office or in your manufacturing plants might not be something you encounter. It is something that the cruise lines encounter. They all have chief medical officers. They all do pay attention to the health and well-being of their crew and of their passengers. And yet there was no real plan, there was no policy, there was no procedure that seemed to be in existence when this was happening. Um, so, like, I, I don't know what to say to that other than what did you guys think would happen here? You would wind up with a whole bunch of governments upset at you and very reluctant to take any passengers or uh, employees from the ships back onto their mainland and risk further infections. Seems kind of common sense to me. I see where the CDC is coming from on this. So if I could tie this back to Bluebell, uh, Bluebell also uh, is at, in trouble in its corporate governance because its board of directors failed to not only not identify its highest risk, but do nothing to manage that risk. And for a food product, that is food safety. In the cruise uh, industry, uh, it would seem that a epidemic on a ship, if not the highest risk, I suppose the highest risk is uh, the Titanic ship sinking. But uh, after that risk, having this type of situation where you have an epidemic on a ship and it's not uh, managed uh, apparently at all, um, is the regulatory response that we're seeing now um, – is that consistent with what the regulators could do, should do? Are we in such a, a unique uh, situation that we really don't have anything to guide us on this? Well, I mean, there's a certain amount of common sense that I think is a good guide here. So uh, there are some specific allegations of noncompliance and misconduct against these cruise lines. I'll give you two. And again, this is not Royal uh, Caribbean International. This is Carnival Cruise, which... As you read through, the Miami Herald is doing some great coverage of the cruise industry, which is a major employer down there. Um, Carnival does not look very good in these uh, articles that the Herald is is publishing. But anyways, anyway. Carnival, for example, is already under investigation from the U.S. Coast Guard for letting sick passengers disembark in San Francisco and Puerto Rico without alerting local health, health authorities that 
they might have a problem here. Um, wholly separate from the COVID-19 crisis is that uh, Carnival Cruise Lines also is in a really nasty oversight dispute with a federal judge um, who has been taking the company to task over environmental compliance failures for years. So Carnival in particular has had some really tough track record here that it didn't have good processes in place, or if it did have good processes written down somewhere, they weren't in actually being enacted. Um, since the environmental compliance issue flared up last summer, it has hired a new chief compliance officer. It has hired more compliance staff, but that was clearly not in response to the COVID-19 pandemic. Um, but, you know, as you said, this is not an unknown risk to the cruise lines. This is a significant threat if it should happen. And yet we have evidence here that they either they weren't taking it seriously or they had no plan to take it seriously. When you see these dribs and drabs tales of we let these people off or, you know, we're kind of floating around and we're trying to get people home, but we don't know what to do. Um, it, you know, it doesn't speak well to an awareness at the corporate level of just how dangerous public health issues can be. Um, maybe they were aware. I don't know. If they were aware, they've done a great job in confusing and duping me because it doesn't look like they were aware. They haven't been able to execute on any good plans. Um, and, you know, as to the regulators, uh, pandemic risks are certainly something that they should be aware of. Public health risk is something that they do think about. I don't know that regulators were sitting around specifically thinking about pandemics, but um, – you know, none of this is unusual territory for public health regulators. It shouldn't be unusual territory for the cruise lines. And yet they're doing a really good job of making it look like they've never really had to think about this stuff before. They they should have. Matt, uh, unfortunately, we're near the end of our time, but I found your blog post ended with uh perhaps not the most disconcerting uh, tidbit or item, but it was certainly right up there. So I was wondering if you could uh, tell us about the um, one of the three cruise lines, uh, which uh, you at least did not have clarity on who the chief compliance officer was. Well, yeah. So who are these chief compliance officers who might have to attest? Um, at Royal Caribbean, that person I believe is Bradley Stein. He is listed as the general counsel and chief compliance officer. Um, Royal Caribbean does have other more lower level um, enterprise risk and compliance people. But I assume if you go right up to the top and you want the CCO title, that seems to be Bradley Stein. Um, at Carnival, it is also very clear, as we just said, uh, that man is Peter Anderson, who joined the firm last year after that environmental compliance um, scandal. And he is chief compliance officer there. Uh, at Norwegian, I'm not entirely clear who the chief compliance officer is. I'm going to assume it is their general counsel, whose name is Daniel Farkas. Um, chief compliance officer is not part of his title per se, but he does oversee all aspects of legal risk management, corporate governance, and compliance that is right in his biography on Norwegian's uh, website. So I assume he is the chief compliance officer in practice. I couldn't find anybody else who looked like a chief compliance officer or who held that title at Norwegian. Um, so yeah, Norwegian seems to be the odd one out here. And uh, yeah, again, just to be clear, so far Carnival and Norwegian both have not yet said that they will agree to the CDC's terms. Uh, Royal Caribbean is the only one so far out of the three. 
Well, Matt, this has been a fascinating exploration of uh, a distinct COVID-19 case, and uh, we can follow this one. Thank you, Tom. This is Tom Fox again. I'd like to thank you for listening to this episode of Compliance Into the Weeds. If you have any questions, you can email Matt at mkelly at radicalcompliance.com. You can email me at tfox at tfoxlaw.com. I have two new podcasts that I hope you will check out. The first is Compliance and Coronavirus, Clarity and Sanity for the Compliance Practitioner. The second is The Compliance Life, where I take a look at what it's like to sit in the chair of a Chief Compliance Officer. They are both on the Compliance Podcast Network and available on iTunes. I hope you'll join Matt and I again next week where we tape up another topic of compliance literally into the weeds. Compliance into the Weeds is a production of the Compliance Podcast Network and a proud member of C-Suite Radio. Thanks so much for listening, and we look forward to visiting with you again next week. This podcast is a part of the C-Suite Radio Network. For more top business podcasts, visit c-suiteradio.com. <laughs>